Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Today on the Everything 80s podcast, Turbo Team, the poor man's Transformers. It was a stormy night when a bolt of lightning forced me off the road. I partially into a government laboratory where a top-secret experiment was underway. I swerved into the path of Dr. Chase's molecular transfer ray, causing me and my car to become one. The incredible Turbo Team! Hey there, what's happening? Welcome back to the Everything 80s Podcast. I'm Jamie. Thanks for coming on out today. And we're looking at a pretty deep cut as far as Saturday morning cartoons from the 80s go. And that is Turbo Teen. And this show like mesmerized me as a kid. And it's a combination, like I said, it's kind of like the poor man's Transformers, but it's got a bit of Knight Rider to it, a bit of uh, not a lot of creativity, but we're going to look back on this pretty interesting show. Okay, let's go. So the cartoon theme song at the beginning of the episode gives you a quick synopsis of what this show is all about. Like every good cartoon from the 80s did. It was that quick exposition to get you up to speed so you could jump in at any episode. You know, a lot of them didn't have sort of long running uh, arcs to the season. So you could, every episode is almost kind of like a standalone one there'd be some you know narrative connections uh, with some shows as they develop like you know gi joe or transformers where you'd have to know some of the history and lore and everything like that but with a lot of these shows they're meant to be easily syndicated thrown on you could jump in at any point but as long as you watch the intro you were you know kind of up to speed with everything so turbo teen you might have to youtube that intro too to get a look at this thing like i said this is a deep cut it was Saturday morning cartoon that debuted in 1984 on ABC and it told the story of Brett Matthews had the, who had the ability to turn into a red sports car after he had been exposed to a molecular beam. So I didn't know what it was about Turbo Teen, but it was a show that always stayed in my mind. Like I mentioned earlier, it was like Transformers meets Knight Rider. And that's an amazing combination of things that kids in the 80s loved I guess actually always loved cars and transforming into them and this was a decade where we loved anything to do with a cool sweet looking sports car or a Trans Am which were a huge reason behind the success of Knight Rider and Kit and you know the one of the coolest cars ever created and I think deep down for many kids in the 80s there was this wish that you could transform into a car or a machine or something like that. And Turbo Teen was that dream come to life. I also wish I could have been a Dinobot, so who the hell knows what was actually going on 
in my mind. So this is an interesting look at a forgotten short-lived cartoon, but one that used some of the very best voice actors in the business and should have been a much bigger hit, which I think they were anticipating for, but never happened. So the quick synopsis again to cover, we have Brett Matthews, who sounds like a generic 80s rock star name. He's your average teenager that somehow is able to afford a sweet red sports car. So that one night while he's driving, he swerves off the road during a thunderstorm, crashes into a secret government laboratory, and in the lab, he and his car get hit with that molecular beam. Instead of turning into the Incredible Hulk, Brett and his car are fused together. So Brett now has the ability to morph into the car when he's exposed to extreme heat. And he turns back into human form when he's exposed to cold. So, you know, anytime, say they were going through the drive-thru and they spilled a drink on his hood, it would turn him back. So they had all these vices planted in to kind of um, create the, the changes. So the molecular ray was invented by a scientist named Dr. Chase for a government agent named Cardwell. And it sort of seems like this exists somewhere in the Stranger Things universe. So it could be the ultimate crossover there somehow. So Brett is technically a superhero, but since he's not getting calls from the Avengers, he starts to go on crime-fighting adventures, sort of Alice Scooby-Doo. Joining him on these adventures is his girlfriend, Patty, and his best friend, Alex, a.k.a. TT, along with Brett's dog, Rusty. Again, I don't know how the Scooby-Doo lawyers didn't jump all over this. So Turbo Teen is not without his adversary, though, as there is this mysterious unseen monster truck driver called Dark Rider. Remember when monster trucks were, they're still a thing, but remember how big they were in the 80s? That kind of combined all this in. What Bigfoot, was that the, I think that was the famous monster truck. So it's kind of obvious at this point where the influences are coming from. You know, Dark Rider's always trying to catch Brett uh, to be able to find the secret behind his abilities. There's also this reoccurring subplot involving Dr. Chase and Cardwell who work with Brett to try and return him to normal. I don't know who would have wanted that, but apparently Brett did. So I meant, before we get to the production of the show, let's look at the people who provided the voices. Because, again, for this short-lived show, I get, with the 80s, they're trying to throw everything at the wall. You don't know what's going to stick. But you want to be prepared in case the thing's a hit. So they recruited some of the best voice talent in the industry. So first off, you've got Brett Matthews slash Turbo Teen. He's voiced by a guy named Michael Mish. He did voices on DuckTales, Dennis the Menace, The Glow Friends, the new Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo show. Then Alex was voiced by T.K. Carter. Okay, he's done, this guy's done a lot of amazing stuff. So he was the teacher on Punky Brewster. He did the voice of Rocksteady on Transformers. He was, uh, if you saw The Thing, he was Chef Knowles. He also played Milo Williams on the Saved by the Bell prequel, Good Morning, Miss Bliss. He was on 227. He was on Good Times. He played Ty. Do you remember Laura Winslow's Guardian Angel on Family Matters? He was in A Different World. He played Monster Knot in Space Jam. He was on Everybody Hates Chris. This guy's done a ton of things. Okay, Dr. Chase was done by Pat Fraley. And this, there's a lot of voices here um, and work through the 80s, including doing work on The Gummy Bears, Garfield and Friends, Alvin and the Chipmunks, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Darkwing Duck, DuckTales. He was Hillbilly Jim on Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. He was on King of the Hill, My Little Pony, Pound Puppies, Rainbow Bright, The Smurfs, uh, tons of stuff. 
th- this guy is was an elite voice actor, and this barely cover- covers all the work he's done. I didn't even get into all the video games uh, that this guy was involved with, involved with, but he did voices of the additional Buzz Lightyears in Toy Story 2 and was the voice of Krang, Casey Jones, and Baxter Stockman on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But there's more. He also did 64 uh, various characters throughout um, Ninja Turtles shows. He was also Ace on G.I. Joe. Okay, Patty was voiced by Pamela Hayden. You don't know her necessarily, but you do. Uh, so before that, she was uh, on she did voices for the Snorks, Hill Street Blues, Pinky in the Brain, also the Nanny, and you know her as Milhouse Van Houten on The Simpsons. She was also Jimbo Jones and does a lot of random other voices throughout uh, Simpsons episodes. Cardwell was voiced by Clive Revel. He was a Shakespearean actor who was also in shows like Columbo, Dynasty, Magnum P.I., The Love Boat, MacGyver, Transformers, and depending how deep of a Star Wars nerd you are, he was the original voice of Emperor Palpatine in the 1980 release of The Empire Strikes Back. You probably know that um, these are that's the despecialized version, and then when Lucas got his CGI grubby hands all over him, they changed a lot of things. Uh, specifically in the 2004 DVD release, they changed the look of the Emperor, um, the the original emperor had these like round goggle things, and I think was actually played by an old woman. But the voice was done by this Clive Revel. But they changed the voice um, in 2004. But he was still credited as the voice of the emperor. Okay, Dark Rider was voiced by the iconic Frank Welker, and he's probably the most famous voice artist of the 80s, if not of all time. And I've done a whole show on him. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So here's where you know him from if you've never heard of Frank Welker. He was Fred from Scooby-Doo. He did the voice of Wonder Dog. He was Marvin of the Super Friends. He was Dr. Claw and Brain on Inspector Gadget. He was Scooter on the GoBots. He did the voice of Slimer in the real Ghostbusters. He was on the Smurfs. He was George from Curious George. He's also Santa's little helper on The Simpsons. And again, if you're somewhat familiar with Transformers, I'm going to assume you are if you're here, he was, of course, the voice of Megatron and Soundwave, but also did voices for Skywarp, Rumble, Frenzy, Ravage, Mirage, Tailbreaker, and Sludge. And then he did, this guy's done so much. Read his IMDb, it's crazy. He did voices in the Garbage Pail Kids movies, and he did sound effect voices in Gremlins. It's nuts. The amount of voice talent they had on this little show is remarkable. And again, I don't know if they were expecting this to be the big hit, but... 
expectation-wise, I'm sure they wanted to have all their bases covered. You're not going into all this production, you know, thinking this thing's going to be a flop. You're thinking it's going to be the next, you know, GI Joe or, or whatever. So again, the '80s are this golden age of cartoons, and with so much going into the 1980s, I've covered this a million times. I won't go into it too much. This is the period of deregulation when restrictions were lifted on advertising to children, and that's why you see this explosion of cartoons and stuff in the '80s because there was no, there's nothing holding them back. They could just they had free reign to um, put out as much content as they want. That's why you see a 300% increase in um, trademark characters and intellectual uh, properties and creativity because there was just there was so much opportunity now to um, not be held back to advertise to kids and make a fortune so everyone was just throwing everything at the wall seeing what would stick and you know you're trying to stand out amongst all this massive competition so with turbo teen they at least gave them every uh, they gave themselves every chance to be successful so let's look at this show, getting it up and running and that Knight Rider influence I mentioned. So during the growing popularity of Knight Rider, it was thought that a similar based show, but geared more towards children, had the prospects of becoming a big hit. Knight Rider was, of course, a massive hit. And I'm assuming you had some connection to the 80s, listen to this, maybe if not. But if you grew up at the time, of course, Knight Rider was a juggernaut on TV. And again, though, it wasn't necessarily based for little kids. You know, it was targeting the, the demographics still kind of a little hazy because they wanted to be able to cater to as wide an audience as possible. And again, this is a primetime show, so you're not going to have like six-year-olds necessarily watching it, but you still want to be able to entertain a teenager or then, you know, adults. So, it, but I think it struck a good balance and all that, but it was enough that this show was mesmerizing to a kid growing up in the 80s. So, of course, they wanted to kind of, um, minimize the content down, sort of, uh, you know, make it a little less intense. And obviously with cartoon form, that's going to be more doable, you know, but really with this cater more to children, capitalize on Knight Rider and make this a huge thing. So the whole concept was created by Ruby Spears production, who would be the producers of the show. So the animation was done by Toei Animation and Hanho Hung Oop, who brought us Shows like Transformers, Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling, Star Wars Droids, My Pet Monster, Ninja Turtles, and a lot of the Simpsons episodes among, you know, tons of other cartoons. So, you know, they're using some of the best in the business to make this thing a hit. So Turbo Teen comes out on September 15th, 1984 on Saturday mornings airing on ABC. And as much as it was thought to have a connection to Transformers, it actually debuted two days before Transformers would. So it didn't actually capitalize or try to capitalize on the success of the robots in disguise thing. But, you know, again, went that blatantly obvious influence route from Knight Rider. So I've covered Knight Rider on the show. If you want to go back and listen way more in depth about that. But, you know, 1982 is when Knight Rider comes out and it's a big hit right away. It was always in the top 30 shows and would average around 14 million viewers per episode. So today... That would make it the number one show on TV by far. But in an era that only had really three networks, there's a ton of competition, you know. So uh, to be in the top 30 was a, a huge hit. Today, it doesn't really mean that much. So Knight Rider was very interesting for doing something that's completely obvious now, but wasn't at the time. Since it was a huge hit with kids, despite, you know, maybe not being totally intended for them, 
it found a much bigger success, even though it wasn't, you know, always maybe a top 10 show, definitely not number one and was in that top 30, but had much more success because they did one thing that no one else was really doing, merchandising. I had kit toy cars. I had a Knight Rider lunchbox. And that's when the producers of Turbo Teen saw promise in making something that was directly for kids, but one that wouldn't be in prime time. And instead during the safe haven of Saturday morning cartoons. Because of this, Turbo Teen mirrors a lot of Knight Rider, including the theme song where you can hear that, you know, influence throughout it. There's the obvious connection in the car, which is a combination of a Chevrolet Camaro and a Pontiac Trans Am. And, you know, Kit was based on the Trans Am. They would make Turbo Teen red so there wasn't as much as an obvious connection. So that's getting it up and running. And what was the impact that this show had? So for me, it was a lot. I love Knight Rider. So this is right up my alley. I feel I was an exact target demographic for this show, but it was not a long lasting one. Turbo Teen would last for just 13 episodes with the last one airing on December 1st, 1984. By August 31st, 1985, it was officially scrapped. And there's a million reasons why a cartoon series ends, but if you think of the mass, like it comes back to that massive amount of those monumental cartoons that were coming out at this time period, especially, you know, 84, 85, it was so hard to stand out. And that's the thing. It's this transforming car thing. So it looks more transformer based, but the transformers cartoon is much better. Even the GoBots were a better show. So, I think the momentum of what was happening with Transformers just took that huge chunk of the audience away. And now you've got real actual transforming robots, way better stories, way better animation. No disrespect to the people involved, but it was just, you know, if it had come out maybe a couple years earlier, it would have had a maybe lasting, um, ability i watched some of those old turbo teen episodes back go on youtube there's a bunch of them up there it's still fun and the the funniest thing though is to hear basically millhouse on the show in that character of patty so it's you just cannot not hear millhouse in it so i mean take a look on youtube just to get an idea of what this is all about and get more of a feel for the show so to wrap it up here turbo teen made its own little dent in the 80s but it was a minuscule dent like a tiny tiny little dent and um a dentlet if you will i'm not sure if you even remember this thing again if you depending on how old you are um you might have just missed it or you might have been around right at the right time and just weren't aware of it and if you remembered it as well as i did though it was one of those shows again that fell out of memory because there was just too much competition and too much other amazing stuff to focus on and it was just one of those things that randomly popped back into my head one day um, it was hiding away somewhere in there. It helped me remember the whole thing. And, it, you know, obviously didn't have the lasting impact of Transformers, G.I. Joe, He-Man, or whatever. But, again, you just, in the 80s, you were just throwing it all out there, seeing what would happen, seeing if you could connect and um, resonate uh, with kids and, and create an audience and sort of uh, get it, the ball rolling from there. This was, again, I don't think... This was a time where market research was really a thing. I know it was a little bit, but the big problem was you just didn't have time to conduct all this, you know, um, research and using test audiences and go through and it, go through it and like consulting with different people. You just you had to get something up and you had to get it there quick and had to see if it was going to hit due to all the competition. So all in all, you know, Turbo Teen was a short-lived show. 
um, that had a short-term audience that probably liked it as much as I did, but it just, you know, didn't, didn't have the legs to go, but it did make a little impact. Again, you know, I've got this show based on it, but if you're a fan of Robot Chicken, you know, they did a little piece that had Turbo Teen. It was also on Rick and Morty. So, you know, maybe it had a bigger impact than I realized and actually connected with more kids that were similar to me. Okay, let's wrap it up there. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode and checking the show out. And again, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I should be there. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, Google Play. I'm, yeah, pretty much everywhere. So you can, you know, go back and check out all these episodes. I've covered all this stuff. Like I said, entire episodes on Knight Rider, on Transformers, on GoBots, all this amazing 80s content but yeah thanks for taking the time i know there's a million podcasts out there now so the fact you're listening to this one means a lot but i will be back very soon thanks for listening bye